ABC Radio. You're listening to Nightlife. Nightlife with Philip Clark. Joining us for tonight's Nightlife News Breakdown, Andrew Proben. Andrew is the ABC's political editor. Andrew, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Lovely to be here, Philip. Well, it's great to have you with us too. Well, unemployment's up, albeit slightly. New figures from the Australian Bureau of Statistics show the jobless rate increased from 3.5% to 3.7% last month. Now, usually a rise in unemployment is seen as a worrying development and, well, a negative one for an incumbent government, but perhaps this one's being welcomed by a number of economy watchers that it's a sign perhaps that the RBA's, well, broadly unpopular strategy, depending who you talk to, of raising interest rates to combat inflation might be beginning to grip. This is Jim Chalmers. This is Jim Chalmers, the federal treasurer, who seems to think everything's going to plan and that the uptick in the unemployment rate's completely consistent with what was anticipated in the October budget last year. And our current expectation, the expectation of the Treasury and the Reserve Bank, is that our economy will slow a bit more and unemployment will tick up a bit more uh, in the coming months. Well, there you go. And the, and the federal opposition, on the other hand, says the rise in unemployment is a disappointing sign for the economy. And Shadow Treasurer Angus Taylor described the figures as ominous and had this to say. And the worst thing you can do when you are facing the very real prospects of a softening job market and persistent inflation, the worst thing you can do is borrow lots of money put in place toxic industrial relations uh, legislation. Mm. What do you think, Andrew? Good news or bad? Well, it's good and bad. Like, I mean, any unemployment rate with a three in front of it is kind of loony stuff, uh, except we're in loony times, aren't we? we just come through COVID, had a situation where we haven't had um, much uh, skilled migration. So unemployment as a, as a response to the post-pandemic period has has plummeted, plummeted way lower than Treasury had predict, predicted. Um, the time, you, as listeners would remember, when Josh Frydenberg, who was then Treasurer, was talking about his aim to get unemployment below 6%. I mean, that's not too long ago. And then he had to revise that, saying uh, his aim was to get it below 5% before they'd start constraining the, um, uh, the budget. And then it sort of went even further south. Now, but the problem is you've got low unemployment and very high inflation. And what Philip Lowe's been doing, and you've, you described it as a, um, as a, with an unpopular move, and, you know, I was describing him tongue-in-cheek as the least-liked uh, banker in the nation for the TV news last night. Yeah. Right. Um, only half, it's only half wrong. But... Um, uh, his decision um, and the decision of the board has been to to lift rates. Um, why is he doing that? He's trying to constrain the economy, to constrain consumer spending, and the result of which is to is to start lifting unemployment. Uh, so already you're hearing from from Jim Chalmers that he expects this. This is all you know. They're anticipating this and. They would be, uh, and so would Treasury. They're expecting uh, unemployment to get to four and a half percent. Now that's still a good figure, but it does mean a lot more people uh, are jobless. Yeah, I mean, I know it's the Reserve Bank's uh, decision here, and they're independent, and that's a good thing, and and all of that. But at the end of the day, the the plain fact is, generally people don't really uh, get this distinction and say, well, you know, you're the government, we elected you, what are you doing about things? And 
you know, if you're if you're if you're if you've got a body here that's deliberately causing unemployment, which seems to be the case, what are you going to do about it? It's going to rebound on the government pretty soon, isn't it? Well, eventually. Look for the for the time being. This is why it's a bit of yin and yang about this. At, at the, uh, f- for the present, it's politically convenient for the government to have Philip Lowe being the the bête noire of uh, of Australian uh, economics, right? But mm. he's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's he's got one tool. It's a it's a very blunt instrument lifting rates. He's made a few mistakes in the last couple of years. I mean, the, he was forecasting that interest rates would remain practically zero until 2024. He got that one horribly wrong, and for which he has um, publicly um, ex- explained his own embarrassment. Um, but it, but it, there is convenience in him being blamed uh, for interest rates because the government is not blamed for or demands don't aren't so loud as to what they're going to do about it but that's going to come around we've got the the may budget only around the corner and those demands will get ever louder and there's actually not much that the government can do well but there kind of is isn't there i mean you know in a way that isn't this sort of convenient for the government the whole situation at the moment because they are allowing this this uh you know, rock throwing against the Reserve Bank and Philip Lowe in particular to continue, thinking probably privately to themselves, this is okay because at least they're not blaming us. Well, we could do something about it. We could, for example, decide not to pass on the stage three tax cuts. We could say, no, you're not getting any cost of living uh, help in the budget because we don't want to do anything to put more dough back into the economy, which is going to increase inflation. I mean, the government is in a position with lots more levers to control inflation than the Reserve Bank, aren't they? The stage three tax cuts uh, would be largely symbolic at this stage because they don't they don't come in until twenty twenty four. So we're still, you know, sixteen months time. Mm. So that's not much help for the immediate cost of living um, problem that we've got. Um, but then the government also knows that if it starts throwing cash at households. Uh, they're likely to spend it, which would worsen inflation and, and then cause if further a fuel further inflation and and possibly more interest rates. So the government's got to be careful, but just watch the budget bottom line because uh, Vladimir's vicious uh, invasion of Ukraine has caused a calamity uh, worldwide in terms of um, supply constraints, but it's also seen commodities shoot high and we, we make a lot of money as a country from um, coal, gas hmm. and iron ore and they've all been brutally uh healthy in terms of price and we've been making bucket loads of cash and chris richardson has got this great rule rule of thumb whereby for every three months that these commodities are about where they were in november or october uh the the budget bottom line is something like 10 billion dollars better off now on that kind of basis, you're looking at a federal budget, assuming com- commodity prices are pretty much where they are, it's going to be pretty close to surplus or in balance. Now, I don't think we, we will still miss it, and Jim Chalmers was saying on Insiders 
on the weekend that we're not going to be in surplus. But my God, we're going to be much closer. We're going to be pretty we close. We're going to be pretty close. Year ago. <laughs> we're going to be pretty close, aren't we? That is that is entirely true, which might also increase pressure on the government. All right, look, um, on to another matter which uh, has gone round and round and round, for particularly for Labor uh, possibly, and that's the, the, the issue of uh, un- unauthorised refugee arrivals on boats. Now, days after Labor unveiled changes to temporary protection visas, and this is, has allowed some thousands of people who've been in limbo for a long time to apply for a pathway to residence here, Defence has revealed that extra surveillance ships and aircraft are now patrolling Australia's northern approaches, and Labor's in, insisting that every single boat will be turned back or returned, and there's no change in policy there. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese had this to say in Parliament today. And this government will be tough on borders without being weak on humanity. And that's the position that we took to the election and that's the position that we're implementing. Yeah, well, predictably, perhaps, the opposition says, no, 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 that's not right. We're tougher on boats. Here's the Shadow Affairs Minister, Karen Andrews. If the Labor government was so sure that their policy was not going to result in people smugglers reopening their trade, why did they put more defence support into protecting our northern borders and do it ahead of that policy announcement? Are they worried that the decision on TPVs might increase or encourage more people smugglers? Well, look, there is an anxiety, but just picking up on what Karen Andrews says there, um, the the result um, of putting more defence folk on the borders or at least putting them on alert is because of institutional anxiety about any messaging that changes when it comes to Australia's borders. Mm. So I I think that it's more out of institutional anxiety than, than any instruction from government but you know one is part of the other i suppose mm. but they they're kind of both right the the tpv situation has gone on way too long uh we have we have a, a, as of 2013 we which is like 10 years ago philip may i remind you we're both getting much older <laughs> but 2013 we had 31,000 people whose kind of status status was unresolved and about well, nineteen of thousand of them were on TPVs. Now, if you're on a TPV, you 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 can't work. You you can't. Um, wait, sorry, you can work, but you 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 don't get some uh, some social um, services. There's your your life as, for all intents and purposes, a new Australian is, is very much constrained. It's even more constrained if you're on a bridging visa, where you won't be able to get any study. Um, even if you came here as a young child. And there was a very good piece on, on 7.30 um, by Laura Tingle um, the other night, uh, two nights ago I think it was, um, talking about this very sort of instance where someone who came as a kid and speaks with an Australian accent um, is denied higher education, a very bright young woman who's, who's obviously got a lot to offer. So you've got this preposterous situation where you've got effectively – Noah's Ark, depending on how you were treated uh, on or before 2013. Now, 19,000 of those people, of the 19,000 of the 31,000 who, who um, whose situation was unresolved, uh, are going to have a pathway to permanent residency and prob- you know, probable mm. citizenship. But then you've got 12,000 people who, who are still unresolved 
Um, so this isn't that that part of the equation is not over with, but at the same time, you're dealing with a Labor Party that is absolutely scarred by what happened uh, under their watch. And you, when when you when you hear and remember the numbers, you understand why um, 820 plus boats. Uh, in the uh, Rudd-Gillard years, uh, 50,000 unauthorised arrivals and 1,200 deaths, or at least uh, 1,100. So th- those are the numbers that have been, that have caused great concern uh, inside Labor ranks for years. And it, it is it's something that they've got to live with. Um, they want to offer greater humanity and done so with TPVs. They've, they're facing two things. They're facing people smugglers who will want to use any change of policy to their own advantage to mm. to ply their filthy trade. And then you've got an opposition who, for political purposes, might want to see boats resume because that would be political disaster. So yeah. this is this is dangerous. This is dangerous territory for Labor. They know it, and and they are concerned. Mm. Interesting. All right, look, just finally, we spoke to Fran Kelly last night about the struggle the government has on its hands regarding a political fight over climate policy. Uh, some in Labor are saying Green supporters should be shocked that the party might block attempts to cut industrial emissions. This is as the uh, Albanese government warns today that the Greens shouldn't make a similar mistake as they did back in 2009 and and they should be now voting, uh, oh, and they'd be doing that if they vote with the coalition to torpedo Labor's overhaul of the safeguard mechanism. This is Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek today. I think Greens voters, Greens supporters in the community would be shocked to see the Greens walking over to sit next to Peter Dutton and Barnaby Joyce and vote against a safeguard mechanism. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's an interesting situation, isn't it? Because the Greens are saying no new coal mines, no new uh, gas uh, projects. The government's that's not the government policy, and they're not, they're never going to agree to that. So the Greens have got a big decision on their hands. Do they do they negotiate and water down their their idealism or not? Or do they blink? Hmm. Look, um, this one is still un- unresolved. But what we do know is that Labor is not going to do what it did. And roll over, um, or, or allow the CPRS. Hmm. Well, this is not a CPRS, but what happened in two thousand nine is that um, they were held hostage. Um, the, the Greens decided that they were not going to support it. Um, Labor ended up forging some kind of um, so, uh, arrangement with with the Greens later on, for which they they paid a, a hefty political price. Party. Um, uh, some in the Liberal Party believe that, the, that um, their own folk haven't learnt the lesson of the last uh, election um, and are going to vote against the safeguard mechanism as uh, as they've decided to do. I think it, it is a shame for the country insofar as we don't have a resolution on, on a critical bit of climate policy. Gr- as for the Greens, well, you know, let's remember... 66% of our fuel, uh, our energy needs come from fossil fuels. That's right. That is, that is still the case, Philip. And we have the ACCC saying that we've got shortages of gas. Now, the the political argument and the reality of people needing electricity are running in contrary paths and 
no idealism expressed by Adam Bant and his crew is going to fix that. No, uh, certainly not in the short in in the short term. No, no, it's not. That's true. It's uh, it is a situation, as you say, where someone's got to blink on this, and uh, let's see, Andrew. Uh, fascinating to talk as always. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Philip. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au/nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife. 